Welcome to Gerard and Christine Live Life, a podcast dedicated to help motivate, inspire and encourage individuals from all walks of life to become a better version of themselves than what they were yesterday and to ultimately live a happy life. You can find us on all major social media networks like Facebook, Instagram and Strava. You can also search for Gerard and Christine Live Life on iTunes and Spotify. I hope you guys enjoy the next episode and always remember to live life. Hi guys, I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I hope you guys survived the cold front in Cape Town uh, that came through the last part of this week. And uh, yeah, I just hope everybody's been living life. Um, just to give you guys a quick update on our For the Long Run initiative, um, for you guys that do not know, it's a non-profit organization or initiative that we started um, and we've received over 100 pairs of running shoes that we are going to distribute to some individuals in Santa Graal to try and uplift the community through running and taking these, these children on a journey to their first half marathon. Um, so yeah, we met the children um, at the high school on Wednesday and uh, we are going for the first training run with them on Sunday morning and we're very excited to start this journey. Uh, before we start with episode 25, I would just like to thank all our partners uh, for their continued support. Fit Batches, Rugani, Fruit Juices, Organic Guru, NutriSeed, Body Evolution, Keto Nutrition, Epic Sport Nutrition, and Truly Good Food. Um, as you guys heard there, there's a new partner on board, Keto Nutrition. Um, we decided, you know what, there's a big demand for Keto as well as your sports endurance uh, or for, for your longer um, types of endurance sports. Uh, that's where Epic Sports Nutrition comes in. So yeah, we're very excited to, to welcome Keto Nutrition to our list of partners as well. And heading into today's podcast, we are going to be chatting to Robin Lowry from Cape Town. Um, he literally got off the couch and did his first comrades this year. And he's already started planning for 2020. Um, he was recently interviewed on Run24, an online digital magazine, and the story was shared on Facebook. But we have him here up close and personal, and we are really excited to hear more about him and his story and um, his inspirational journey to, um, from couch to the road. Heading off into the interview. Hi, Robin. Welcome to our studio. It's cool. awesome Thank to you. have you here um, to share your story about your First Comrades 2019 and um, looking forward to spending the next 45 minutes or so with you chatting about your experience and your journey and how you got here. Welcome. Happy to be with you guys. Yeah, thanks. And uh, we're always looking forward to hearing the juice of the story because <laughs> everybody sees the medal and it's, it's like, exactly oh, it. this guy is probably a millionaire. <laughs> He's got 20 hours a day to train. Yep. But there's a lot of stuff that happens in the background that yep. people are not aware of. And a small medal as well. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's the smallest medal on your whole yeah. <laughs> medal record. It's a yep. little bit... Uh, uh, demotivating at some yeah. stages, but uh, when you look at it a little bit different uh, once you've, you've done it. Agree. Yep. Oh, so, yeah, welcome to, Thank to you. our studio and your uh, offices. Thank you. <laughs> so to get started, um, who is Robin? Tell us a bit about yourself, where, where you come from, who are you? Sure. So, <coughs> excuse me, so I'm 33, um, grew up in Cape Town, grew up all my life, uh, like Grassy Parkside, so grew up in the south. Um, went to local schools after I matriculated um, wanted to do something different and just spend a couple of years in London so no no qualification nothing at all 
<clears throat> mom decided let's ship you over to London, see how it goes. And the world is, that's, the world is your oyster. Yep. <laughs> and that, that's where I, 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 I like grew a little bit of moustache and like you, you end up growing up because like I'm, I am still today, I'm a proper mommy's boy. My mom lives in Joburg, but still a mommy's boy. Like I, I chat to my mom often. Um, but at that point, like, like food is cooked for you, like washing is relatively done, is done for you. Um, there it's like you're on your own. You've got to do your own work, you've got to do your own, um, your own washing, you've got to do your own laundry, you've got to budget for yourself. Yeah. And like, if I think about like years and years and years ago as an 18 year old, like, you don't think about budgeting. Like, you go to your mom and your dad and you ask her, I need, a, I need 10 rent to do something, I need 20 bucks to do what something. What do you mean there's no money? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, that, that's it's a foreign place. And like, I actually ended up meeting my wife in London and she went through a relatively similar experience being. Like, mom dropped her at school, um, she done anything. Like, if she found her mom at two in the morning and need something, her mom was there. So, <laughs> it's like weirdly going to meet someone we would never have met in, in South Africa. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's in one Cape Town. We, our, our worlds are two apart. Like, yeah. she was like Seapoint side, had a completely different um, lifestyle. I was on the Grassy Park side. So, there's no way we would have met. And then we go almost 10,000 kilometers <laughs> around and we go and meet each other at, at the South African party. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, w- what we were discussing, we, I think we're 12 or 13 years together, married for four years in a bit yeah. now. So, but honestly, that's, it's my superhero. Like people like often make the joke, oh, it's my better half. That, that's, yeah. that's really my better half. Like she's just like, we make each other in this relationship and th- that's, that's quite cool. Um, apart from that, I enjoy every bit about being active. I'm part of the ministerial body at our church as well, so I'm part of the new apostolic faith. Um, but I also enjoy giving back a little bit. And why, why I specifically say that is that um, I'm part of the, the, the group of volunteers at the Parkrun. So I've also, I'm also okay. one of the run directors at the Century City Parkrun. Um, I've done little bits of volunteering work here and there over the couple of years. So I've done some, um, some literacy teaching at primary schools. And that's just going to chat about financial concepts around bank accounts and what savings are and oh just wow. to do little different things it's actually through it, it the initiative was called teach a child to save it's it's run by the South African banking guys but it's now called start child saver if I, if I remember okay. the term correctly so it's just it's some material you can go online and you can you can you can chat to schools we were in in we went to a couple of schools in Cooks and you just can chat to people and like I've always said that, and I said in, in a, uh, the article that I had written about comrades, is that you change one person, that's okay. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. one more person that's, that's life had been impacted or that, that'll think about something differently. And then on, this, on the side of, of giving back, I worked with an organization called Life Choices or mm-hmm. Salesian Life Choices, and they introduced me to mentoring. And I worked with two students um, high school at the time, one grade 11, one grade 12. And I initially thought that I've gone through this journey of like being like a relatively... Uh, could say a relatively immature um, a young adult going to London to grow up then coming home um, working in a professional career so I work in the finance sector working in a career and I, I'm going to do these good things I'm going to help yeah. people go through this like life lessons and you've got to get your learners and you've got to get your license and like it's like being street ready but not yeah. but not street ready being like knowing what's happening it's just like mm. when, you, when you tick all the boxes for like I've got a license I can apply for a job so if I, if I don't have the qualification and I can be a rep at least I've got the license and they can give me a company vehicle, like those yeah. kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, let's teach these people or these kids things and I've learned way more about myself than I've taught people. And like, I, have a, I had a conversation a couple of months ago with, with the one guy that I've been working with and he's, like he said, thanks for helping me. And I was like, did I actually help you? And, and then he starts chatting about it. These are the, the guidance that you give. Yeah. And then you flip it back and you, like, and you do this introspection and you realize how much you've actually learned about yourself mm-hmm. and how lucky you are to be where you are. 
and these guys just need a helping hand like some people think of mentoring as it's a lot of admin there's definitely admin in mentoring yeah. like, no doubt you've got to, it's constant check-ins with people that depends also how active the, your your, your uh, you need to get involved there's a good mentor and it's a bad mentor so you could yeah. ruin the relationship but like it's it's it, it's honestly probably one of the most apart from comrades one of the most rewarding things i've done in a long time is, is getting involved with helping people through and like it's just that they don't know options mm-hmm. they go through they go they grow up in a life where or in a community where people become taxi drivers or just go and work at the retail yeah. store and that's what they want to do not knowing that there's options like when i spoke to him about funding he asked me but why would someone pay for my studies why would someone give me give me this yeah. and it's not it's that that kind of thinking like actually like the government makes it available to people mm-hmm. who need the help yeah. and he didn't know that and it's just opening up those avenues and like like letting them know there are different options you don't have to go to the helping them think differently that's exactly and see the world differently that's exactly in their world they think you can only become a doctor or a policeman and then yep. when you talk about entrepreneurship or step things like that like well, what is that and they start getting interested yep. in, and that's where the change happens no agreed I, d- I remember one quote that that i heard at life choices and at that point it was something along youth in south africa is equates for 37 percent of, of our population but they're 100 our future and that's mm-hmm. what we got to realize that these guys are the future those are the future leaders the future ceos it's unlocking that potential which lo- loads of them have and I've to come back to your explanation where you did a little bit of introspection after somebody told you how much difference you've made in their life because you don't always realize that yeah. and also I believe that's God's way of keeping us uh, motivated and uh, keep the momentum because obviously you can help one who felt so good not to sound selfish but it mm-hmm. is a reward for you as well yeah. um, growing as a person mm-hmm. it helps you to help the second person the third person yeah. and hopefully those changes that happen in you is now transferred over to them yeah. and they can then hopefully spread from there so interestingly, he like the, the the one student I mentioned, he he actually made an interesting comment saying, "I've broken up with my girlfriend because she's not ambitious enough anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. That's <laughs> like, she's not ambitious. Anymore. What is? And that's when you get down back and ask him like, mm. "What do you mean by she's not ambitious?" And and for him it was that she was a year younger, being she was in grade eleven at, at that point, and she didn't know what she wanted to study. And he's like, "That's not ambitious. Like you must know what you want to do." And I asked him, "Where were you and I when we initially had the conversation?" And that's when he's like, "Actually, I didn't know where I was." Maybe I can help her. It's not that she's not ambitious, mm. she just doesn't know. Yeah. And it's, just, it's changing the mindset of actually like, not going to that, it's, it's being overly like, harsh by saying it's not going to the mindset of being overly judgmental, like, oh, you're not ambitious. It's just like, mm. changing the, the approach and asking a question as opposed to making a comment and like, mm. just distancing yourself from yeah. things. Yeah, this uh, close family friend, he's also an entrepreneur. Um, he did a talk at the entrepreneurship show or con- convention. And his opening line, or his uh, the heading of his talk is, is this place too small for us? Mm. And it's all um, uh, religion-based in terms of his methods. People won't even know that, mm. uh, but a lot of the referrals goes back to the Bible. But that's something that we've been doing quite a lot if you ask ourselves, is this place too small for us? And you need to ra- realize that it's not that you're sounding uh, cocky or uh, too ambitious. It's, you just need to realize, is, is there more to life? And that's quite a nice <coughs> saying to, to, to do to yourself. No, agreed. Yeah, it's like that, it, it's n- not as popular anymore, but it's like those bands that people used to wear, the mm. WWJD. Yeah, what, mm. did, what did Jesus do? If yeah. you actually think about that, like, that's that's almost the answer for so many things that you think about. It's like mm. being less selfish, it's loving yeah. your neighbor. And like, I, I, I shared something on LinkedIn not too long ago, and I, and with a tagline, sharing is caring. And I actually had the conversation with my wife, is that those are actually really powerful words. Because if you actually really think about it, the more you care, the more you share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more you share, the more you care. And like, do you love that person 
that much that you actually spend time sharing. And sometimes it's as small as someone's looking for a job. They upload, I've just qualified, um, I've got this undergrad, I'm looking for a job, please help me. It takes a few seconds to hit that, sh- hit that share mm. button. Or send it to a few guys on email. Yeah. It's exactly. Mm. So sometimes it's, it's that sharing is caring. It's yeah. just having, like being okay to say, like, let's help someone else. And maybe we've become like, less caring. And yeah. it's the same at the, at the park run. Like we, we struggle to find volunteers, yet we've got over 1,000 people at runs every week. Mm. And we struggle to find 15 to 20 volunteers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you mentioned comrades. Yes. <laughs> so your transformation and your journey to making the decision to do comrades, was there a trigger for that? How did that all come about? And what made you decide to run the ultimate human race? So I, I remember thinking about, was an actual trigger that said, like, let's flip it on and that's what I want to do. And I, I couldn't pinpoint an actual trigger. What I was going through at that point, so this is over a year and a bit ago, I was going through a level of just like, I, I was just going through like a, like this fitness thing. Like you try and do different things. And like I said earlier, like I went into picking up weight for bodybuilding, like not bodybuilding, but trying to mm. build muscle, mm-hmm. um, then try some CrossFit things. And I, I just, I generally find myself like doing different things. And at that point I was just running. And my sole objective that, at that point was, let's get quick parkrun times. And mm. I, I wasn't even, I didn't even know or, or link it to, it's a five kilometer. Like in my mind, it was only a parkrun. Yeah. Mm. So you, you don't, I didn't link the distance at all. And I was like, let's, let's get quicker and quicker. And, and that just happened to be like one or two runs in the week, no focus on training at all. And just trying to get quick, quick runs in. And as, as the times got a little bit quicker or a little bit, little bit shorter, um, one of my colleagues that I used to work with at the previous company, like he's, in my mind, he's, he's a, He's a fitness freak. Like he's, um, he's probably close to sixty, and he, he does probably like two hundred three hundred kilometers of cycling almost yes. every weekend. He does every race that's possible. Like he's he does the Joburg to see often. So yeah. Like yeah. he's like he just he's a in my mind he's a fitness freak. And he kept <laughs> on telling me, Robin, you've got to do further distances. And I was like, no, I don't want to. He's like, just do a ten kilometer. And I remember him telling me, if you run five kilometers out. You've got to come back. So in theory, mm. you'll push it. But I was adamant, I don't want to run. Um, I don't want to run anywhere further than a park run. And then just found myself uh, like trying this 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 my version of fitness. Now, like I'm thinking, if I can if I can just Google something, I'll, I'll find an answer and just keep keep on running. And then, like a few months later, I am um, sitting on the couch and I was flicking through some channels and like comments had come up. So the broadcast of comments was on TV in, in June last year. And I, I didn't pay much attention. I think mm. I probably it was a couple of seconds on TV and then ended up flipping through it. So, like, I won't say I was like couch potato per se, but like, I hardly ran. Like, the only run I do over weekends is, is a park run early morning. And then I, like, at that point, I was, I was, like, I was telling my wife that I, I want to go through this, this motion of challenging myself, but I'm not too sure if it's mentally or I'm not too sure if it's spiritually. I don't know if it's physically. Like, I, I want to find something that, that can challenge myself. And then I had the conversation, and, I, and I, like it was literally in passing. And I told her because <laughs> I called my wife, and I was like, "Wife, I'm, I'm going to be. I want to do comrades next year." <laughs> and she like, and l- literally, Not a thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. literally, words was okay, dogs. Like, and, and she knows that I, 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 like, sometimes I just would jump onto the bandwagon of doing something, and then I fall off again. And I, I literally thought about it being, can you can you challenge yourself to go from running a park run doing five kilometers to comrades being eighty-seven kilometers? And is a year enough time to be able to train, and, and so I'm, uh, and that, that was sort of end of June, first week of July. I told them like I'm, I'm like I probably want to do comrades, and at that point I had the conversation where they're saying, 
are you comfortable with me trading for something like Comrades, knowing that it will at that point be a bit of a commitment? I didn't know how much of a commitment it, it was at that point. And she said, yeah, I'm comfortable, like, do what you need to do. And that's what got me into this whole thinking about training. And like, I always play back and I think, like, had my wife told me the same thing, being she's been running a park and she's like, I also want to train for Comrades. I, I probably would have laughed as well. Because like, <laughs> it, it's just, uh, it's something you don't do. You, you don't, like, I, I don't know how many people go from running short distances in one year to, to try to, to tackle something like Comrades. Yeah, it's a big job. But like, at, like I said, uh, for me the trigger was, well not trigger, but for me this, my process at that point was I want to challenge myself um, in some way and I had no idea how Comrades is going to challenge me. Like, so spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, it, it's, it's a roller coaster. And, and the build up to it, like you go through these massive highs, you go through massive lows. So you, you run your, I've never run a half marathon ever, so I've never entered a race. But to go to your first marathon, and like you never forget your first. Yeah. It's like when you pass your license, you remember exactly years and years and years ago what you had done, or if you had failed your first. Like I yeah. failed in my first attempt, you still remember what you had done for, for <laughs> being silly. So like just the first, you keep on remembering, and that's for me was like I want to challenge myself, and how how like in my mind, I, I honestly had no idea that there was a race further than this. One of my colleagues often runs the 100 miler and mm. I was like that, that's just mind blowing <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that like a couple of club members ran washi over the weekend yeah. mm. and I didn't even know that existed for me this is the longest you could ever run the longest race and I was like that's the ultimate human race let's go for it yeah. and that's why I chose comrades to be honest and it may just be like psychologically a couple of weeks ago I flipped through and saw the name on TV but like I said everything happens for a reason and that's, that's mm. where the comrades journey started yeah, and I think what's nice about that is you didn't know what you want uh, in terms of is it a spiritual challenge, a physical challenge, and I think comrades en- encompasses all of those yep. um, almost like struggles that you want to go through, um, and it, it lets you grow in each of and every of those levels. Yeah. So you actually got a, a bonus that you chose yeah, the, the right thing yeah. to unlock all of those uh, challenges for you. And the more I think about it, in that like how do you, how do you want to challenge yourself? I always thought, and I, I mentioned this in the article that I that I'm written, is that. In life, so you can think about work, work life, your career. You think about your spiritual life. You think about everything. Like people generally place like these blocks or limitations on what they do before they before they go through it. So like like the comrades journeys, the people like I'm too young to run comrades, or I'm too old to run comrades. I don't have enough distance. Like they go through all these like studies. Like I've never been yeah. a runner. Mm. Or studies like am I, am I smart enough to do this? Like. Mm. It's just if you if you take that block off and you know that that goal exists, being it's it's physically it's there in paper. How long you take to get that to your goal? That's up to you. Yeah. But it's there, so you've just mm. got to like like it's like you, when you, if you're starting with that block of the limitation in your mind, you may start in the wrong step. Just get that block out and get that limitation out, and just you got to shoot for the stars. Like as as much as the players of a word it is, that's what it is. Like like Sierra, the uh, uh, the rocket man, the same thing. Yeah. Building fuel in his mother's kitchen mm. when he was a youngster. And then he got NASA to name a star after him. That's literally shooting for the stars. <laughs> and now look at this—he's getting—he's got a, quite a, a like, he's like Harvard University art him. Please come and study at our university. Like those kind of things, and, and yeah. by not placing limitations on yourself. You know, I think individuals makes the mistake of trying to say, "Oh, but I'm not a Bruce Fordyce. I'm not a Usain Bolt." Yep. Stop trying to be <laughs> other people. Yeah. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. Because a. Eleven fifty nine comrades for Joe Soap is just as wonderful as a yep. six hour. Um, and the same amount of effort and training and time exactly. and emotional energy goes yeah. 
into whatever you choose to do, especially at something like Comrades or any ultra-distance type of event. There's a, there's a small portion, as you said, that are elite runners. And those, those like some of them, like we've got a, a lady in our club that has also only been running for a year and a half. But she, like, she averages when she runs ma like marathons, four minutes, 48 kilometers or something. Mm. There are people that I'm never, I probably, I may not hit that mark. Yeah. I can try and train for it, but that's just a natural runner. Yeah. Most people aren't, don't come mm. out that's in that group of, I'm um, the top 10% of runners that enter a race. But the training that she does and the training that I do is exactly the same. It's just, it's like, uh, I said in the article as well, the road people ride at Comrade is exactly the same road. The goals just are two different goals. Yeah. Mm. Same, same road, same distance. The amount of effort that you should put in is exactly the same as mine. It's just that mm. they the, the, the ability is to move, have the legs move a bit faster than yours. Yeah, the one's mental victory might be bigger than the other yeah, one's. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. So how did your, from that day that you made that commitment, what changed? How did your training change, your nutrition, your <laughs> lifestyle, yeah. and your lead up to, to comrades? What was that like for you? So I think for me there were, I, I done what I think a lot of people do is, you go to Google and you type in, training programs and it gives you with all like loads <laughs> of generic things and you, you try and you, you best to understand what it does so like if I think about it now like some of the plans will tell you do a long run at your 20 kilometer PV pace and you're like like I'm, I'm gonna try and extrapolate that I've run at five kilometer this pace or 10 kilometer that pace mm. and you, you just you just multiply the numbers so you just go that multiply by two factor in an extra one kilometer you don't think about hills you don't think about anything you just uh, uh, just I just run. All I was doing is I was running, and at that point I was trying to keep my times consistent. Being my di my speed per kilometer, just keep it consistent. Not yeah. not realizing that, that that's there's a whole host of different things that you need to do inside training. So like a few months of, of just of just running on the road, um, and finding some stuff in Google, I decided I actually need someone to help me with things because at that point I was running for a year and a half, had no idea what I'm doing. I'm like. I was one of the Strava guys, like, I've got a quick run in Strava, you update it, you post, <laughs> you post a picture of a sweaty guy running, and, like, it's the best thing ever. And then I decided I actually need to get a coach. And when I got a coach, training changed completely. That's when you realize that there's interval training, there's speed work, there's heel repeats. No. The biggest thing people don't think about is gym. No. Like, going to do the strength, strength training strength at gym. Training. And, and that's, that's the thing that, that people don't think about. So I ended up using a coach, which done it in a, a plan to tell me, this is what you have to do on a daily basis, but more importantly, this is how much you have to rest. Yeah. And people think you have to run seven days a week to tackle it. No, you, your body needs time to recover. Yeah. So like, and we spoke earlier about when you get the flu or you pick up a niggle, your plan needs to be readjusted. And sometimes you're just trying to push your body through, ah, it's a niggle, it's okay, but you're maybe doing more damage to your body. So that's what's changed. And so firstly, it was, the, it was, it was getting a, a coach. Eating plan, what I tried to do initially was using something called like tracking your macros, mm -hmm. so it's basically looking at how much protein you, you consume, how much fats, um, how much carbs and Could sugar. Did you use my fitness pill? Yeah. I use like, an app called LifeSum, so oh, L-I-F-E-S-U-M, okay. mm -hmm. and it also, like at that point, it integrated into my watch, so it picked up my all my activity, and says like if you're doing, this is how much calories you should be consuming, and this is how much you, um, with training you should, be, you should be consuming an additional X amount of calories, but in all honesty, like, that sometimes falls along the way. Like uh, we spoke earlier about living a balance. If like uh, if I wanted to have a chip roll over a weekend, or I wanted a pizza or a burger or something, like my diet wasn't a hundred percent. Like always, like wasn't completely strict. Um, but weirdly, like when I think about it, like 
building up to the race, you become a lot more sticky. You become a lot more aware of what you're eating because you always hear about this, this carbo loading. <laughs> and like in the first couple of races, you just think, I've got to, I've got to chuck lots of carbs yeah. in my body. But then, like I think people use carbo loading as an excuse to eat lots of food. Yeah. And lots of the wrong yeah. food. Well, the Cinnabons that's and exa- the... <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Also carbs. Yeah. Sweets. Yeah. yeah, so like people think like the more carbs I have, the more it can turn into energy in my race day. <laughs> but it's like, it's effectively just eating the right carbs in the right quantities. It doesn't mean you have to eat an entire pizza yeah. or like 10 potatoes at a time. It's just, you've got to, it's still got to be the right quantities and stuff. So like you, you become a little bit more alert and that, that's where a coach makes a difference. So if a coach has some nutritional experience as you guys, as you guys do as well, it becomes a lot more effective being able to say, like I've got this question, like can I eat this or can't I eat this or how does this impact my running? And like if you really pay attention to your race day of how your body feels, you'll feel that it makes a difference here and there on, on what you've eaten, building up to the race day. Sometimes it's a week before, sometimes it's just weeks and weeks in because it's a much longer run. Uh, again, it wasn't perfect, but it's, it's like you, you pay a little bit more attention to it. Um, yeah. And what was your qualifying race? How was, or how was your first marathon? Because that's often a serious character building experience. <laughs> from, from 5K to <laughs> yeah. 42. So my first marathon was radial. It was in Jan. Oh, wow. That I used. <laughs> yeah, so I, I chose a tough year again. <laughs> so all I heard is this you one. You got your challenge. <laughs> I just heard this one big hill and you'll be okay. And just like walk all the way up the hill. Um, and so actually my, this is where like a, a really cool tip that I had from my coach is that apart from using a coach to do things, join a, a running club that resonates with you. So I live in, in Central City and there happened to be a running club there and, and like I got a really good advice from, from our chairman and our chairman actually said that, so I was telling him like when I initially spoke to him, I want to, I want to run comrades next year. He's like, you know, you need to be a club member for that. I'm like, uh, okay, I <laughs> didn't know that, but like, I just thought you can go on a temporary license. So cool, let's join a club. And he gave me a really cool tip and he said, let your first, mar- you always remember your first marathon, but if your aim is to do something, don't go aggressive. He's like, I know you want to go and race and try and get a seeding time, but if you just want to go and get a qualifier, just run radial, get the qualifier, so there's no pressure on a race at the later stage. Mm. So mm. my first marathon was radial. Um, I came in at 4 minutes 24, 4 thir- no, 4.34. Mm-hmm. Um, I initially ran with Witzer um, oh on yeah. the Witzer bus. He ran a Comrade Sub 4.50 bus. That's when the, when the time changed from 5 hours to the Sub 4.50 qualifier. I ran the Witzer bus for probably 30 kilometers. Um, decided I wanted to, like at the 30 kilometer mark, I, I felt as I had still more energy than I thought I would have at, at, the, at, at, uh, at radial. Um, and then broke away a little bit from the bus and like, which has got an immense amount of knowledge. It, it's absolutely insane. Like it is a massive bus. Like his ability just to, like just by telling someone like either in English or Afrikaans, come and hop in, don't worry, it'll be okay. And there's points where you hit the wind and you'll, and you'll <laughs> you, you identify stronger runners without even looking at them saying, can you run to block the wind so we can keep the, the, the runners who are struggling a little yeah. bit, keep them on pace. Because they're like, the people that, that are all going to do is get that 459 to qualify. But I go a little bit, went up up, um, up up the tough hill, and my mistake at, at radio was I ran all the way down here. <laughs> and at the 30, what's the 36 kilometer mark, I probably crashed. Like, my legs were tired, my body was tired, I walked more than I could run. The last three kilometers were tough. The last one kilometer, I was like, come on, Robin, you, you can run <laughs> all the way. And I walked most of the last kilometer. But came in at 4.34, I remember, just as I came in, um, my wife was shouting like a maniac on, <laughs> on the side. She, she recorded me as I came in. As I got to the middle, I fell on the floor and like I, I, I sat there for probably 10, 15 minutes in one 
one place, like literally lying down. <laughs> but such such an amazing experience. Sometimes you forget, like how how much how how big that is. Like yeah. to run a marathon, not everybody mm. does that. Less than one percent of the world's population mm. will ever run a marathon. Yeah. So if you could take that into consideration, like just exactly without even comrades, just that um, accomplishment is huge. That's exactly so. Ran radial and came in at 4:34. Um, I used um, West Coast in, in Langebaan as a, oh as a qualifier. April, the end of April, yeah. yeah. Of, so after radial, end of March. After radial, oh, while you were lying there, did you mm. think about, uh, okay, now I need to turn around and do that again for comrades? No, not at all. Because that's always the. I was tired. Like uh, <laughs> I, had, I couldn't speak. I was mentally tired. I was physically. I remember sitting at a club tent, and I just sat down. Like I was sitting down, people were, I, I didn't understand how people were having conversations. I, I was <laughs> absolutely you there. everything out on the field. Yeah. Some so people I, cracking open a yeah, beer. And that's exactly <laughs> it. I, I couldn't stomach anything. Like I, I had a little recovery shake um. and that, it's, it's only a 350 ml shake. And I was, I was full to the top, like to the, <laughs> I, I, I had no capacity left. I had, I, I remember sitting in the, in our little, in the bus on the way home, in the, in the club van on the way home. I didn't have, I didn't say a single thing. I watched, I put my, took my phone out, I put my headphones in and I watched some sport. <laughs> no mental capacity. But again, like, it, it's, it, it, I'll never ever forget radio. And that's where I learned, like, you don't run a solid four kilometers down. Like, yeah. you've got to make time to give your legs a recovery. Because in your mind, you think, it's downhill, like, it's make easy, time. man. You'll yeah. make, there you go, you'll make mm. up time. It's not that. It, it's a little bit different. You've got to, got to have a good strategy in place for... Just let gravity things. take its course and kind of not race the hill. Just exactly. let it do it what it needs to do, and then you'll have some legs yeah. left afterwards. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, is yeah. learning from each race that you do, and each bad experience, or no each grief. fantastic experience is taking yeah. something away. So did you apply any of that in your... In yeah, the, yeah. So I ran the West, yeah, West Coast um, and Marathon. I used a bio that, that had been speaking, and a coach had been speaking about this 9-1 strategy. So you mm. run for nine minutes, you walk one, for one, one. minute, mm. and literally from this two kilometer mark at at, um, at west coast marathon i applied that same thing so nine one and I, I remember my bio telling me like don't worry i know you're competitive don't worry about people running past in the beginning you'll catch them trust me you'll catch them <laughs> and i just it, it, it that, that's a difficult thing when your body is feeling like complete uh, the freshest is you walking and, and that, that's a difficult part and that's where this whole challenge in this mental game comes in and all the way up, like, at, like I, I made jokes with people. Like, you start saying, hey, guys, there's only 10 more park runs left or 5 mm. more park runs. Yeah. And you, like, you make jokes with fellow runners and you see some people struggling and you, like, you do these different things to try and help people along the route. And at 35 kilometers, I was still feeling fresh. And I said, cool, let's open up the legs a little bit. Kept on pushing through. Met a, met a fellow, essentially, city runner as well. Was having a bit of a bad race all the way up. Uh, is it Black Mamba? I think it's oh, called I've Black heard about the, that. Up the hill. Oh, yeah. So it, it's a toughie, and at that point I was on track to do a sub four marathon, and I was like, I saw him and I was like, he just like, he at, at that point there's six kilometers left. He needed. He just wanted to throw in the towel. So he got six left. Let's do it. And we pretty much walked all the way up Black Mamba. We had run together all the way down. Came in at four four. I was really? looking to do a sub four hour fifteen to get a, uh, was the F seating for comrades. Well, you took thirty minutes off your first yeah. marathon yeah. time. At that well. point I was like, shucks, yeah, I could have gone to a. What is it like? You could have gone to a D seating because I think mm. if uh, the one before this easy something is the green number or something. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, you could have got, but so it wasn't the day for that that race. Came and I, I, I still remember making the decision. You wanted to go for target. If you walk the last three kilometers, you'll still make your target. So yeah, yeah. So I pulled him along and we finished it together. And he's the one that ran washi. No, he ran washi. 
he came in 20th I think he averaged yes, like 6 minutes 40 or something of yeah. kilometer over 160 sure. kilometers it's absolutely insane but that's like that's what I enjoy about running it's just this community of people that don't yeah, worry that you've got a different vest on that you're not not yeah. the right runner you just it's one mm-hmm. of those we help each other through on the day that's awesome yeah. And you like the lead up to comrades is often a, like that week before the ten days before is quite a um, an emotional time and a bit of a stressful time. So maybe tell us a bit about that, and then obviously comrades day. We'd love sure. to hear about yeah your start and your finish and so how it went. That, that's a that's an incredible memory for me. So at Oceans, I um, so in the last couple of months. So we are now the seventh month of 2019. The first five months have been it's been a bit of a it's been like milestone after milestone for me. So in January, I ran my first marathon. Um, April, I ran my first ultra, which was Oceans. Mm-hmm. And then two months later, I ran first Comrades. Um, Oceans, 30 kilometers in, I started feeling niggles on the knees. And that's where I, I, I couldn't run downhill at all. I could, I could run uphill. Um, and, try and, and that's when I was trying to make up time, really. Trying to make up time uphill. Flats were okay, but I could not run down at all. Just massive pain in my knees. And I, I remember my wife being relatively concerned when she sees me. So my wife's been at every race with me. Like, I, she, she's a proper superstar. Um, but I remember, like, I could see, like, she was a little bit concerned. Like, are you going to make it? And I, I remember telling her before and that if I am not fit to run, I'm not going to run it. Because I'm, I've already qualified for, for comrades. I technically don't need it. it. That The Ocean's Ultra was the furthest I would have run. And the furthest I had run before um, mm. running comrades as well. And I ended up just trying to push through and, and that's where the, you, that, that introspection you look back and you say actually that's where like you realize how much you challenge your body and, and you challenge like you challenge your mind because at that point I just thought it's it's what the runners talk about it's runners knee it's what people talk about yeah. not realizing that I actually had damaged part of my knee um, so oceans um, that, that I, like um, as I finished as I came through the, through the race I sat down for about half an hour um, had a recovery drink and then we walked to our club tent but you've got to walk up over that little bridge. So it's <laughs> over like maybe 10 or 15 steps. Stuff and up. it's like one, one foot one foot, and then the other foot. And I, I could not walk down. I couldn't walk downstairs at all. I had massive pain. Went back and just thought it was like tight ITBs or something. Pain went away eventually. And that's, that's where training had, had taken a bit of a slump because you want to pick up mileage building up to comrades. Like yeah. I couldn't after Oceans, even though you needed to rest. So that, that was a bit, of a bit of a span in the works. Building up the ocean uh, to comrades is it, it, it's such a great like I, I only had two runs on my, on my on for the week. The Monday was a slow sixty kilometer uh, sorry sixty minute run. The Wednesday was a slow forty five minute run, and then no running at all. That week I flew up on the Friday evening with my wife. Um, Friday evening you just like I said earlier you look forward to eating a little bit of carbs, so you go and you <laughs> eat some some good healthy carbs, and you like uh, the, the night before comrades I had a half a pizza as well, so like. Like you just you go in and you do like that's what I looked forward to, um, but I specifically remember um, the night before. So the night before, um, like it, it probably is one of the one of the proudest moments I've gone through a long time. The Saturday I went to fetch my race number, and I was telling my wife that it's uh, uh, found that it's the first like the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is getting my comrades cap at the end of the race. And this year they changed it to getting the cap before the race. <laughs> I made no difference to me I literally I, I put on my running gear I put on the cap I put on my, my race number and, and like even seeing zero on my race number being I've never completed it it is it's one of those feelings knowing that I've come through so much mileage I've come through such a long journey over the last 11 months tomorrow I'm on the line like I'm I'm there um, building up to it so the race week was nothing much apart from 
um, the Flying Up Expo like, weirdly was a little bit of a letdown for me. Like I thought I'd get a lot more um, from the Expo. It's like they have a novice's tent and I thought I'm going to be chatting to people that are seasoned runners. They're going to give you advice even though you've gotten advice from your coach and things. But like it wasn't as much. So maybe I built it up a little bit too much in my mind. Yeah. That could have been it. Um, so yeah, but it, it, similar to Ocean's, uh, Ocean's Expo. Um, but I got home the evening, um, was in bed at 8 o'clock the evening because I wanted to get at least a good 7 hours-ish sleep. Um, probably fell asleep about half past 8, 9 o'clock. Woke up at 4. Um, my wife works in the event space, so she's like she found us a hotel that's four and a half minutes walk yes, to the, yes. the start line. Yes. So I could wake up later than what some people did, because some people stayed in between Maddisburg and drove yeah, down. Um, so woke up at four, went down for breakfast, had a slice of bread with peanut butter, banana, half an Energade, and finished the other half as I left the hotel. And left the hotel at 4.30 go to go to my starting batch. Our idea was get as close as possible to the front of the batch that you can, because then you can just you can fly through it. But it's like just that 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 moment of knowing that that I'm there, like yeah. I've I've made it. It's just like I, I I don't think I remember thinking about the distance up front, but it's just that feeling of like I'm there, and you go through like you just play back everything that's happened, and you're standing there with friends of yours and fellow people and the amount of zeros you see on a race number is insane mm, like the amount of people that are tackling comrades for the first time some of them are tackling for the second time just haven't finished the year before so yeah. that's why i said earlier it's the same road but just completely different goals for well not completely but we have different goals on the day that's awesome. yeah and the actual race how, race how was that for you race day is interesting so like the build-up is, is is insane like you you go into you walk down and it's all these different batches and like, I was relatively proud. I've got an F batch seating, so you open up your 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 like you're showing your your, your race number, and people say, "No, you must go a little bit further down." <laughs> you go to your batch, and there's just thousands. You just see thousands of people sitting in a like on pieces of cardboard, just building, like trying to keep warm. I ran into three, no four, no five of our friends um, from from the club, and one of them happened to be our chairman as well. Um, so you, you could just like you can talk about things comfortably, and that that passes time then the emotions build up like it properly builds up so you like they, they start pulling the the gates down and you start walking closer to each other and then sure sure there was a place and it's this like it, it's like you can't explain the emotion you go through as everybody like literally plays and you are singing and people are hugging each other and your arms are around complete strangers and you're singing things together the national anthem comes and, and and people are, are literally crying like people are crying singing the national anthem you then go into a period or then chariots of fire play and that's when the emotion properly hits you and you like you you, you know it's, <laughs> it, it's getting and, and your heart your heart starts going um and then after that um you, you go through you run the race so like your as the, the cock crows the gun goes off and your heart rate shoots up. You see the building yeah. with the Comrades logo. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. So your heart rate shoots up. Um, it took me about six minutes to cross the line. Um, you cross the line and like you, you just shuffle through. Like I said, I, I, 30 kilometers in, I felt the pain in my knees. You know, 20 kilometers in, the pain came back into my knees. That is a struggle for me. Mm. Comrades is a really, really big, like it's a long race. I was 11 hours, 10 minutes on my legs with no rest. And I ran pretty much 60 odd kilometers with pain in my knees. So I, like I was, I was happy enough to be able to run uphill, but all the downs was was a, was pretty much a pain. And your wife was she on the route as well, seconding yep. you? 
my, my dad and mom drove down from Joburg as well. Oh, awesome. so, like, again, like happy to see them there. Um, when I told my wife at 20 kilometers in, I've got pains, I could see the concern in the face. I saw again at 30 and I told them on lease, I'm like, properly painting. And she like, just just the supporters around, along the route. So your yeah. name was relatively big on your number. And like people shouting, come on Robin, well done, you're looking good. Like, just all those things. Like sometimes it's a couple of seconds that you forget about the, that you forget about the race. And it, it's just like, like Harrison Flats is a, is a difficult part <laughs> because you go through a wide road with all your feet shuffling and it's silence because mm. people are trying to get through a part where there's no support. Mm. So that's a difficult part. When it became easy, in all honesty, it was probably single digits. When it went from nine yes. kilometers left, to that's when it became manageable. Yeah. One kilometer left was the best feeling ever. <laughs> you see, the, you, as you come into the stadium, oh, you I see the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see the camera as you're running in. The, the, that for that full probably 500 meters, you forget every needle, every pain. Like, hand on my heart, I shouted all the way through. It's like you, all the emotion goes out. Like you're shouting all the bad stuff that you had thought. Like it goes out. <laughs> I, I ran my arms up next to me for the full days you go under the tunnel i was shouting so loud that people were thinking what the hell's happening with this maniac <laughs> <laughs> you cross the line and and like <coughs> it's I've, I've had no pain zero pain crossing the line they put that medal on you get your you get your medal like it's just the, the proudest moment you get your energy and the pain hits you again immediately <laughs> after and i sat down just trying to recover for most of the day and i, I told you earlier i actually have damage i damaged my, my, my knees i went for mri i went for scans I have some bone damage, I've got um, a ligament damage and fluid on the knees. Sure. Some at the orthopedic surgeon next week, going to try and sort it out. And that just means no running for a couple of months. So th there's some war stories building up to combat, which you don't hear of, but mm. like, it, it happens. People get injured. Yeah. and It's, it's just not supposed to be a perfect it's exactly process it's not easy. either. Yeah. And exactly. 2020, are you back? Um, I don't know if I'm back for combat. It's, it's, a, it's a nice thought to think of doing back-to-back. -back. I'm, I'm quite keen to do an Ironman. So I'm warming up to doing something different to challenge my body. I know the down run is completely different to the up run, so it's a different different strategy you'd have to take to it. So mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I'm warming up to doing that. But I, like I've comments have been on my, on my bucket list to do it once. Over. I've never been the one to say, I'm gonna do, get a green number and do it 10 times. I wanted to do it once. So I'm not like, nothing's biting me saying, go and do back to back. I'm thinking about Ironman next year, challenging okay. myself in a different way. Well, you said possible. you started swimming, so that's yeah. a step. <laughs> I needed <Yeah>. to swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for anyone that was perhaps in your situation a year ago, yeah. um, that they're in that situation now, wondering, you know, I've only ever done a park run, can I do combos? What's your message to them? What's your, well, how can you inspire those people? Do you have a, a final message before yeah. we close off to so inspire them? Yeah, I, I think the, the big thing people's got to re remember, and I, I said this in the article, is that, if you know that your goal 100% exists, so it's not that, for example, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a balloon and fly to space on on balloons yeah. as you see in the cartoons. If you know your goal definitely exists, that means it's possible. And if it's possible, it's a daily process. Sometimes people think about this. It's a year. I've got a year to do it. Um, it's okay. I'll, I'll pick it up then. It's you've got to work through it every single day, and it's got to be a well thought out plan. If it means getting a dietitian or a nutritionist, or if it means getting a coach. Do the right things to be able to get your plan because if your goal exists, you 100% can make it. It's just you that got to decide. I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to put in the work daily. I said in, in the article, training for something like comrades, or it will be the same for Ironman, long endurance. It's a lot of time. So you like have the conversation with your wife or your spouse or your partners or something. You've got a family. Think about different ways to train because I was up at four in the morning, at four thirty in the morning because my wife works in the events field. So at at the point she she mentioned that. 
you may be turning at awkward times if we aren't spending too much time together, and that's when you have to readjust things. So I think my, my training with, if my wife trains, if my wife is flying out and she, she's traveling, that's when I can train in the afternoon or train in mm. the evening to get different weather conditions. Because mm. sometimes people forget that you have to mm. do training in different weather conditions. Mm. If you're training outside and you have ever run planned, how do you know it's not going to rain on the day that you train or, or of your race? So it's making time and, and just getting your body to realize that things are different. It's like, it's, it's, the, it's that, that you, you just gotta, you've got to motivate yourself to do things daily. And that, that's going to be, just keep, what, whatever it is that motivates you, keep that in the back of your mind. Because when you go through the dark patch in that day, of the race day or when you go through the dark patch just building up like I can't do it anymore think of what what made you make that decision and what's motivating you and it just it just has that weird thing of just picking up and going to tackle what you need to do yes uh, yeah Robin thanks a lot this has been very um, inspirational and I think the, the listeners are going to agree with me hopefully your story inspires at least one person to also get off the couch and, and go on this journey of self-discovery yeah. and yeah we're looking forward to sharing this with the network Thank awesome. You. Thanks for having me as well. Thanks. Cool.